Welcome. You're listening to Value Add with Lars Coburn, bringing conversations and reflections that add value to your life. Hello, everyone. Uh, Great to have you on the podcast. This is my first podcast that I recorded. Uh, we actually recorded the uh, this one, the Five Star Church podcast, um, on a trip in Seattle. So it's uh, with me and my dad, and you'll get to hear our story about living in overseas in Vietnam and different things. Um, but I was really excited. So I've been collecting these podcasts for the past six months, and uh, just now getting the chance to post them. So hope you enjoy this uh, first podcast I recorded. Um, and check out uh, the page for more soon. All right, we're uh, in Seattle and recording a podcast uh, with my dad, uh, Larry. Uh, so, Dad, how how's uh, the trip going for you? It's going pretty good. We're we're having a good time. I always enjoy uh, get uh, getting to have some fun and some reflection with you on these trips. Yeah. Uh, so as I was uh, kind of brainstorming on these different topics uh, that add value to your life and uh, interviews that I wanted to have and conversations, um, a lot of things that came up for me was reflections on experiences in church and experiences um, that kind of shape the way I think about church and the way I think about stuff. And so um, I know we've reflected a lot on this idea of the five-star church experience. So uh, give us a little, what what are we talking about when we say the five-star church experience? Yeah, well, uh, I like to refer to it that way because uh, of the, to- the time we uh, were in church in Vietnam in Ho Chi Minh City during the during my Nike assignment there, and uh, you know I don't you might remember when we first got there we met in a five star hotel. Uh, the church met in a, a hotel it was called the Duxton Hotel, and it was wonderful. It was uh, it was a great experience. Uh, with, there was a big ballroom. The hotel set it up for the church. Uh, the uh, we had great uh, praise and worship, and then a, a break, about twenty minute break for fellowship, and uh, it's the only time in my life in church when people have come out. Uh, hotel people have come out and served like you know I call it the tea and crumpets they they would come out with the little snacks and coffee and tea just the way you wanted it and uh, all as church people all we had to do was uh, mingle around and enjoy and and uh, talk to people and then we'd go back in for uh, another 45 minutes or so that was primarily the sermon time while while Sunday school would be going on and in some of the other meeting rooms in the five-star hotel and then we'd all go for for lunch somewhere. So um, no setup, no takedown, no building to maintain. Uh, somebody else prepared and served the snacks. It was, it was, a, it was a real five-star experience. Yeah, and I remember uh, it really being the first time that uh, we had experienced cell phones being kind of a, a common place. As I mean, it was 2003, and so I'm sure all churches were kind of having this experience of cell phones started going off. And uh, so it yeah. seemed like every time the welcome had something to do with, you know, if you've got one of these little babies, uh, turn them off. And uh, I don't know if you remember Kathleen Blaine, but I remember one time she stood up and, and 
service and was like, I'm turning mine back on because the guy had tried to be cute and funny and he was saying, if your phone goes off, I'm going to answer it and tell them that you're in church and they should be here too. And and of course it backfired because then she was wanting, I want my phone to go off because I want you to tell uh, something. So yeah, I have really fond memories of that. Um, five-star churches. Then we um, we moved uh, locations, right, a little bit later on? Yeah, so the, the, the church grew, actually, during the time we were there, and it got too big for the for the ballroom at the Duxton, the biggest ballroom that they had. And so we moved over to... Uh, do you remember the name? It, it was... Uh, I think Windsor Plaza, maybe. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The Windsor Plaza. And it was a bigger five-star hotel. It had its own uh, international restaurant on the fourth floor. I remember mm-hmm. we worshipped on the seventh floor in one of the big ballrooms. And then about half the church would be at the uh, fourth floor international restaurant afterwards. And uh, it was really, really good. Took five-star to a whole nother level. Yeah, yeah. Buffet, uh, buffet lunch afterwards. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah, and I think when we would do uh, children's uh, Sunday school, it was in, like, the karaoke rooms, right? At that I think hotel. so, yeah. yeah. Actually, I think uh, that was quite interesting. And you were uh, you were the bag man, as I, as I recall. You had to bring the Sunday school bag. Uh, down to the down to the classes that had some of their materials and things. Yeah, um, and so so now it's 2005, um, and uh, we have Easter service. Uh, like 800 people are, were maxing out this ballroom at the larger church, uh, at the larger hotel. Um, we've got a, a Vietnamese local speaking uh, service starting before. Um, the, the English service, uh, things are developing. Um, but then in August of 2005, um, what, what, what changed all of that? Yeah, that was the big dramatic moment. So the church was really growing, like you said, and uh, the, the local police in that district uh, came to the Windsor Plaza Hotel management, and they told them that uh, our church service was an illegal assembly which I think technically it had always been an illegal assembly, but uh, we had tried to be legal. I remember Pastor Eric had said he uh, uh, was always trying to register the church, which was the proper procedure, and they would tell him, don't worry about it, we don't care about you guys. And uh, so we'd never been able to get registered. So the police show up and they tell the management, uh, if you let that church group keep meeting, we're going to raid this Sunday, we'll raid your your hotel and shut your business down. And so they contacted the church leadership and the decision was made, okay, we won't meet. So suddenly, um, I mean, I wasn't part of the group that had to uh, to greet people, but on Sunday, the pastor and a couple of other leaders had to be at the hotel lobby and turn people away. You're coming for church. There's no church. Uh, we're not meeting. And uh, it was quite a traumatic experience. And uh, we were pretty devastated, pretty mm-hmm. rocked back. But I remember the response. The response was uh, we had some midweek uh, home groups, uh, life net groups, I think they were called, uh, after the parable of the net. Mm-hmm and uh, the LifeNet groups. And so we just turned those LifeNet groups into Sunday groups for the most part to to get started. So we had about a dozen house churches all of a sudden uh, to do do Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, 
our our house church uh, being being quite the uh, crazy experience and coffee machine working uh, all all morning long working um, overtime. Yeah, uh, but it was it was definitely a, quite a unique experience. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about this. So we moved from being at the at the five star hotel now into house churches, and um, so what did what did that look like? What's the um, what were the differences that that took place because now church is no longer in one central location, but it's in twelve different locations? Um, we just kind of elaborated on like there was a lot of things that were taken care of by the hotel staff. Now uh, we're meeting in homes, uh, quite a different, unique. So, what were some of the things you uh, remember being quite different and unique in that transition? Yeah, well, the challenge was, um, I think. The obvious challenge was we had one pastor delivering the message when we were in the hotel. Now we needed 12 people to preach. Uh, We needed somehow to keep our glue held together. So uh, Pastor Eric wanted each of the preachers preaching in the house churches to preach essentially the same message. Maybe not identically, but essentially the same message. So he decided we'd start meeting for coffee on Tuesday morning early at a coffee shop. He would go over what the message was going to be the next Sunday. Then we'd have the rest of the week to kind of make it our own. And uh, we had uh, Sunday school. So now we need 12 uh Sunday schools, I guess, because, but every house church didn't have as many kids, but they might have had one in each age group or something instead of a group in the age group. So that was a challenge. Uh, refreshments, there were no refreshments. The, the, the fact that the police had been involved uh, actually put a little intimidation into the hearts of many of us. Well, if it's illegal for our church to assemble at a five-star hotel, it's still kind of illegal for our church to assemble in 12 houses. Mm-hmm. And so what happens if, you know, are they gonna, are they following us around? Are they watching what we do? Are they going to, uh, you know, come to our house? And many of us, like me, I was worried for a while about it um, that, uh, you know, I'm going to get in trouble with my employer if I get kicked out of the country for having an illegal house church in my house that's being paid for by my company mm-hmm. <laughs> that has me there to do a job. So I know there was a lot of concerns like that. Um, leading worship, leading prayers, all those things had to be multiplied by 12. And uh, it um, so all of a sudden the five-star experience where you showed up at the five-star hotel were led in worship, have a wonderful lesson, serve some tea and crumpets and off to your, your buffet international buffet lunch with your friends became a much different experience. Sunday became a lot more people were going to have to get involved and do a lot more in order for for us to have the same uh, worship time and and, uh, church life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so you mentioned the Tuesday coffee um, meet with Pastor Eric, and I know that as that developed also into um, kind of a twice a week um, experience where there was the, the Tuesday talking about the sermon and then and kind of Pastor Eric downloading the, the this is where we're going um, to then on Sunday um, morning before uh, we all went back to our house churches leaders gathered to pray and uh, spend an hour in prayer 
and that was quite a impactful thing on me. I know, um, as you asked and uh, were given the green light to bring your family along with you to those meetings, and and that quite uh, changed my uh, idea of prayer and my understanding of prayer as we sat from uh, about seven in the morning to eight in the morning um, on Sunday morning for at least, it, it seemed like we were doing that for at least a year. Um, and yeah, well, it's week. funny. We started out doing that because we thought that it would, we didn't know how long we would have to stay in house churches. And Eric was working on the, with the government officials, trying to anyway, to get us back permission, get registered, get permission to get back in the hotel. And we thought it'll be just a matter of a couple of months or three months or something. And uh, so this is just temporary. So let's have, let's start praying on Sunday morning before church. Primarily their initial prayers were about, let's get you know, Lord, lead us back to the hotel, smooth the way, get us registered so we can all be back together again. And, um, yeah, and that's when I realized that one thing that really impacted me there was that Eric, when he called for an hour of prayer, uh, it was an hour of prayer. It wasn't an hour of, it wasn't, you know, 20 minutes of announcements and sharing needs and visiting and then, you know, 20 minutes of prayer and then 20 minutes of visiting and drinking coffee before we went back. It was, okay, everybody's here. Okay, let's pray. And Eric would start and others would uh, would join in and he wanted everybody who was there to pray. And so I was so impressed with that. I thought, what a great thing. I'm going off and having this great experience and coming home and you guys are, are running around trying to fix up our house for, for to be ready for a Toho's house church. So why not have you guys come to the prayer time too? And, uh, and I, I'm like you. I think that was a really good time for me uh, to, to experience the power of prayer. Yeah. Yeah. And as I, I reflect on a, another lesson um, that kind of impacted me directly, um, has been uh, the fact that as we grew, like you were talking about, and from just being, we're going to be in these house churches for a couple of months to being, wow, this is how we're doing church now, was um, that that desire for unity across the 12 house churches led us to practice some things together that we might not have done um, if we had been just in a church altogether. And one of those was memorizing scripture. And I, I know uh, one of the passages that uh, has stuck with me that I've memorized over the years has been Colossians 1, 28, um, which we memorized during that season uh, as a, as a house church. Um, and the, the passage goes, we proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we can present everyone uh, fully mature in Christ and uh, and so as we as I think about that passage and what it um, says and what it has meant for my own personal life and, and mission and ministry, um, I think about the idea of growing together through through practices like memorizing scripture and how I would not have known that that would have been a unifying. Um, force and I don't think it would have been as uh, impactful had it not been because we were were doing this as a church and felt the need to uh, come together around things like scripture memorization and prayer and uh, these other ways uh, because sometimes we feel like when we meet in the same space we're 
together, we're unified, and yet um, there's other factors involved that help uh, with unity. And uh, so when you take away the space and the fact that you're not meeting in the same room, um, sometimes you find these other ways to to draw together in in unity. Um, so I think there's there's been a lot of these other lessons. Have you, as we reflect on this story, any other lessons learned that you feel like um, you want to talk about that have have helped in in your growth? Yeah, I think um, I'm, I was particularly impressed that the church leaders um, slowly through prayer, our prayer. It's like God changed our prayer. Sometimes we look for answers to prayer, but God changed our prayer by way of answer uh, to where finally somebody kind of timidly said, uh, we don't want to go back to the hotel if you don't want to take us there. You know, we don't want to go without you, God. And so if it's not your will, we don't want to do it. Even though we all wanted to do it, we all wanted to get back to Five Star Church we realize, well, maybe the Lord has something else in mind. And our prayers then began to become more bold, like uh, this is what we want. And then the other thing, besides that impact on you and Hans, uh, uh, was it in the house church, um, we had a lot of people in our house church who were used to being led by someone else during the worship time. Mm -hmm. And yet there's 20 of us in the living room. We needed to have more of them participate more. Uh, but there weren't many people who were open to that. So I, as a leader, ended up calling on you and Hans to do a lot of things. You were just young guys. Uh, but you had to step up and even preach sometimes and uh, serve, you know, give a communion thought, give an offering thought, lead prayers, um, you know, and, and even and the singing uh, lead out in that. And so I look back and see that that wouldn't that growth of experience in the house church for you guys in my own household would not have happened if we just stayed late you know in the five star church enjoying our tea and crumpets and <laughs> served by hotel people so god's hand was really in it to grow us uh, sort of like we were leaning back in our chairs and he kicked the the, the legs out from under it so we end up on the floor and wake up uh, and I think just the, the, the other thing is just the um, idea that um, God's hand uh, is working in our lives. It's not always what we want. And so sometimes what he does is change our want to, what we want to. We really wanted to get back to Five Star Church, but he changed it to we don't want to go back. We want to be the church in these house churches where people are called on to grow and serve and we get involved in each other's lives. And so I think that's a that's the value-added uh, aspect of a Vietnam experience for me for sure was seeing that God is not always going to do things that I want and I have to pray that prayer, I, I not my will but yours be done uh, in my life, and then look for how God uses that. Uh, to benefit and grow. And he certainly used the five-star church falling to the house churches uh, as a way to grow his, his people. Yeah. So, and I think um, 
that that's great to to see how um, even as as a dad, you kind of recognize some of those uh, lessons and some of those results. So as we uh, think about it, like if you were to give a, a definition of uh, the five star church um, and kind of why your what your main takeaway has been from that, um, how how would you respond to that? What do you um, what are you hoping people will learn from this story of your experience of the five star church? Well, I think it's to uh, you know to trust God, um, even when you're uncomfortable. Uh, to recognize that if we're going to learn and grow, uh, God often is using what seems like adversity and uh, and obstacles. Uh, but there's not really obstacles to God. His kingdom will prevail. Jesus said, you know, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. And yet we find ourselves often worrying, oh, we've got to make this happen or that happen, and what are we going to do, or we're powerless, or, you know, and yes, we are, uh, but God will still uh, lead the way. So in all those circumstances, we ought to, uh, we need to, to turn our hearts to those practices that we can do, um, memorizing scripture together, um, spending time in prayer together, not just talking about praying, but actually spending time praying. And God will work. God will use us uh, in his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so as we think about things that, that add value to our lives, um, I, I've so appreciated our our experience with the Five Star Church and um, just how you've helped me process through that and reflect on that. Um, and I love how you talk about how God's hand, uh, that God is really at work in these in these ways um, through the intensification of, of prayer even, as we talked about, through... Um, through, like you just talked about, the hard, kind of the hard things, the, the difficult obstacles in some ways. Um, and they, through the the ways in which you've uh, seen how that caused us to have have a need, even amongst people who felt reluctant um, or even where it's like, I think Hans and I were uh, in our early teens um, and how he needed to step up. And uh, and then I love how you were talking about the leaders and the, the, the change, the shift, um, I, even the way that you described it, the timidity, timidity of somebody having to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to step out and say uh, what I think maybe is going on. God, you know, we don't want to go anywhere without you and, and how that then changed uh, even the hearts of, of other leaders. So, um, but coming back to that centrality on God's hand working um, in your life, how has the five-star church experience um, added value to your life now that you've moved on? I mean, it's been um, about 10 years since we moved back from, from Vietnam. Um, so what's, what's the impact that the five-star church had uh, since you moved back from Vietnam? Yeah, I think uh, uh, as I reflect on it and share with people, uh, I guess the probably the biggest thing it's impacted me with is challenging myself when I want to be comfortable uh, when I when I'm thinking about church, um, I, tr- I that reflection on that experience helps me catch myself wanting church to be 
uh, comfortable for me rather than I'm trying to eliminate work. I'm, I want it to be easier. Uh, being a part of a church, I don't want it to be a struggle. Um, you know, and I don't want to struggle on purpose, but uh, I guess I don't look as much for now for comfort or ease. How can I make this easier? Uh, but I look at, you know, what is God really calling on us to do? What is he enabling us to do here? And, um, uh, and how can that help us grow in our trust of him, in our service to him, in our faith? Um, not even if, even if it's a little more difficult than I would like. That's awesome. I was just reflecting on the, the five-star church experience and what you just described about it being kind of a, um, a comfy, easy, um, church that doesn't require much of you and what you reflected on in the, uh, experience in the Ho Chi Minh City with the house churches was that, man, that, that shifted your, um, understanding of church and what was required. And so it, maybe somebody finds themselves, um, kind of experience five-star church experience where it's comfy, it's easy, it doesn't require much of them. Um, anything that you uh, want to offer in terms of um, just kind of encouragement or advice to say, you know, this is how um, I've come to kind of reflect on that and, and press against my desire uh, just to stay in the hotel, if you will. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, that's a great question because our experience in Ho Chi Minh City was wasn't self-inflicted. I mean, the we were enjoying it, we were loving it, um, we were participating in it at that level, um, and uh, like I said, it felt like God kind of kicked the chair out from under us. And so I, I don't know what part of my advice would be just to be a little uh, beware, um, maybe to challenge yourself to look for some uncomfortable things you could do. Uh, if, if your church has, uh, you know, an early and a late service and you're kind of not an early rising person, so you can, that's great because you can go to the later service and you don't have to be very disciplined about getting up. Maybe there's some merit in doing something like getting up, setting your alarm and getting up earlier than you want to and go into the earlier service, or if you don't go to the earlier service, get up and do some uh, reading, praying, uh, thank God for all the comforts that you have as a church, but uh, uh, but uh, maybe work at what more could you do um, that maybe uh, gets you out of your comfort zone, because growth... Uh, doesn't happen in the comfort zone. <laughs> Growth happens when we get out of our comfort zone. And so, uh, you know, and, um, but, you know, we have to have faith in the Lord too. So if, uh, you know, if we don't make, create enough discomfort, you know, the day may be coming when, uh, when the discomfort comes uh, from some other, some other source. So another thing to do is to enjoy it and thank God for it in the, in the season of life that you have it. Uh, but don't expect that it's going to last very long because mm. uh, God wants you to grow. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I guess as a church leader myself, um, I think about 
the lessons learned from that experience and the um, just the things as a as a leader that you know, like you were talking about, the, the started as this is just going to be a season of time. Um, we you know we're just praying because God calls us to pray, but we we really believe God is going to get us back into the hotel, and that's not what happened. Um, uh, and so. If you were speaking to a leader, speaking to me, um, as someone who's who's trying to lead a church, uh, what any advice that you would give based on the experience um, as being a, a house church leader in that time, um, kind of being part of the the leadership of that church that went through that season? Yeah, well, I think at a simple level, it, there's that verse that says, you know, you shouldn't say. Uh, in so many days, we're going to go to such and such place and buy and sell and do whatever. You should say, if the Lord wills, mm. we'll go here and do this or do that. And I think, you know, often we, uh, maybe it's old fashioned that people would say, you know, uh, the good Lord willing, you know, this is what I'm going to do. But I think the spirit of that really has to permeate us as leaders. We have to have our plans. We have to lead where we, we believe we're called to to lead, set direction, have vision, those sorts of things. Uh, but we should always have uh, a bit of humility to say, but we not what we want. We don't want to do any of this if the Lord is not with us. If, if God, if you're not with us, we don't want to go there. As much as we feel like that's where we should go and we want to go there, but we want to go there with you, with your blessing. And if you're not in it, we don't want to do it and leave room for God to change our, our hearts. And then I, I, I'm more and more convinced that if leaders are praying together, fervently praying together, uh, that the Lord will with the, with that kind of heart, that the Lord will solidify the vision or change the vision, uh, through even that, the prayers of, of each other as we pray. And, um, uh, so I, I, I probably would have said that in theory before the experience, but I would, I would say I I'm a real true believer in it now that, uh, the more we can get together and pray, the more God can direct us in the way that we, we should go. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, you know, I just, uh, I don't know how else to close this except with um, just reminiscing a little bit more about that experience um, because there's just so many uh, fun and laughable parts of those prayer meetings. And so uh, I'm not sure that, you know, we want to go into too much depth on it, but I just thought, um, you know, as we close, I, I think the, the one thing that I would add to the leaders praying together would be that, uh, leaders praying together uh, of different church heritages, um, mm. of different uh, styles of prayer, of different languages of prayer even, um, is really, really important and that God can speak to us through th through that. Um, so that's the serious part. The, the, the less serious part, of course, would be um, I think there were times where we, we fought to be early because of the seat, uh, you, had a, you wanted to get the right spot on the couch, right? Yeah, um, yeah that was because of the air conditioning, I think. Um, yeah, there were more than a few Sunday mornings that I remember trying to. Uh, we ended up being in the in the seat where the aircon was blowing directly on you and freezing out, and I would try to position myself to take the brunt of that from you guys. So, being a good good uh, dad, trying to be the 
uh, shield to uh, to give you keep you guys from freezing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then let's see what else. The, the funniest one I think was uh, um, several times where uh, we had uh, some some different people who who spoke different languages and things um but i don't think it was the speaking in tongues or the the different languages or even the people who didn't their english was was pretty poor and it was hard to understand it was the big singaporean guy that we knew um i can't think of his name right now um but i remember getting in the car and just bursting out laughing because i couldn't hold it in anymore um (laughs) And uh, I don't remember exactly what was going on uh, with him, but uh, it sounded kind of like he was burping his prayer. Yeah, there were, there were times when at least it sounded like uh, a lot of burping happening uh, during the prayer. And I was proud of you uh, young boys uh, that you were able to hold it together and be still serious about prayer, despite the fact the aircon was freezing you out and uh, and there was some really unusual sounds coming. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so much so there was an order, actually, a kind of unwritten uh, order also where uh, Pastor Eric would always start and then... Um, Nobody ever said that this is how it had to be, but Stephen Core would uh, would pray next. He'd always pray next, and I think it's the second or third time. Maybe it's the first time. I don't know that you guys came, but uh, uh, Pastor Eric opened the prayer, and everyone expected to hear Stephen Core, and they heard Hans. Uh, Hans just launched in and prayed. Yeah, it's and like, I thought, like a twelve-year-old oh, or something. Gonna, I'm going to get the talking to that says I'm, I can't bring my family anymore. <laughs> but instead, I got the talking to from Pastor Eric, who said he was so proud. Actually, he mentioned the whole group. You know, uh, we need that kind of spirit. Uh, Hans was obviously anxious to pray and felt no uh, hesitation to jump right in when prayer was was invoked and we we should all be like that as leaders so uh, that was a great experience too yeah yeah um so you know everything from uh we worshiped i think in in our house church with uh anglicans to um oh man uh to uh pentecostals and uh church of christ acapella to uh Calvary Chapel, um, Calvary Chapel, and, and Baptists and different things. So and who knows what? And who knows what else? Yeah. Um, so I think um, it was a great experience for me, knowing and seeing uh, unity in that, and uh, definitely, like you said, prayer. Um, prayer brings us together, even when we uh, when we don't share the same language and and the same same style, or even the same theology. Sometimes yeah. God can definitely speak. So. Thanks so much for uh, being on the podcast and uh, reflecting with us on ideas and conversations that add value to your life. Those are great, great memories from your, your past. Yeah. All right. Thanks for tuning in to Value Add. For more great conversations and insights, visit valueaddconversations.com.